0: Okay, everybody, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here. We go ahead and find a seat. That'll be awesome. Great. Well, hey, I want to welcome you that are worshiping with us here in our main auditorium. Uh, on this incredible Father's Day, I also want to say hello to all of you that are worshiping with us in North Platte, as well as down in the venue. It's a, it's a great day to be at New Life. It's a great day to be at church. And uh, I think today you're going to walk away really feeling inspired and encouraged. Um, that's, that's our attempt today. That's where we're going. Uh, I believe that uh, God has you know, helped us put together uh, an amazing Father's Day sermon and it's going to be preached from uh, three of our staff. So Pastor Chris and Pastor Nate are going to be joining me here in just a little while uh, to come out. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, this unique sermon that we've put together for today. Uh, But listen, before I get into that, kind of leading up to it really, my wife and I just recently returned from vacationing. Uh, We were over in the country of Finland and and we were in the city of Helsinki and we were also in Russia, St. Petersburg and Moscow. We had a blast over there when we were in uh, Helsinki, Finland. We, uh, you know, we saw the sights, and it's a it's a very it's a very uh, modern kind of contemporary feel to uh, to a much older city. But uh, very very sweet place. Sat around, had coffee at you know every espresso and coffee shop that I could hit. You know, I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't showing favoritism, right? That I was distributing, you know, my wealth to them in the best ability. And I'll just tell you, coffee over there is awesome, right? It's stout. It's like rip your eyelids back, pull your hair out strong. Um, and it all comes with a little piece of chocolate. That's what makes it so good. I think it's a new trend we should do here more often. Uh, you know, you get your stout coffee with your piece of chocolate. Oh, man, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. We should start practicing that here at New Life. Anybody? Anybody want to vote for that? Okay. Who's going to bring chocolate next week? Okay. Oh, it's not going to go over that easy. Well, when we were in Helsinki, we hopped on a boat and we went out to this island to see this fortress. The Sumalina, just saying it with as much confidence as I can because I'm not really sure how it's pronounced. But the Sumalina Sumalina Sea Fortress, all right? It's this historic place built in the mid-1700s. It was this fortress of a naval fortress to protect the city you know from its enemies and it's just this old old ancient kind of a place that you know you go to it and it's all grass is overgrown and um, you still see these amazing walls and these cannons and they kind of give you this like step back in time experience where they've got these little cottages and shops and things that are set up and one of the one of the the things that are there is this old church So Kim and I, we go to the island. We're walking around for a while. It takes 15 or 20 minutes to walk all the way to the other end, and we're exploring it, and we're getting ready to leave. And on the way back, I'm starting to hear from this old church, the pipe organ is lit up, right? And you can hear it, and it's just resonating out of the building. You can hear singing, but it's not in English, obviously. It's in their native language, and you can tell that it's from a church. They're, they've got some hymns that are being sung, some of their songs, you know, from their heritage and church that are being sung. And, and I just said to Kim, I go, let's explore this. Let's, let's see what's really going on. And so we start walking up the path to the church, and about midway up, there's a sign. And they're, they're trying to help people, you know, know what, what's happening. On the inside, this beautiful sound is coming out of the place. And I look down at the sign, the sign it just catches my attention. It, it Actually, it caught me off guard um, in, a, in a very humorous type of way. So I had to take a picture of it. I had to bring it back to you because you had to see in this quaint village with this beautiful sound coming out of the church what church in Helsinki has become. Take a look at the sign. So here it is. And then it says down here, in mispronounced pronounced, or not even spelt right, sending together at six. <laughs> and I, 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 I know it needs another end, but forget that. Sinning together at six, and I just thought to myself, I've got to go see this. Because this, I knew, I knew that over church history, you know, that you know there's a lot of place in Europe where Christianity has really declined, but I didn't realize it got that bad. So I had, I had to go see this. I walk in the door, and obviously it's not sinning at six together. It's singing at six together. But quickly I discover as I sit down amongst a Uh, splattering of people that are in this mid-sized auditorium that all of a sudden I look around and I realize I'm the only guy in the room. And it wasn't, hey, all women, let's come and let's sing together. It was advertised for all to come. The only other person of the male gender that was there was the priest who was sitting up there with his acoustic guitar, participating in the sing-along as people would pick different hymns they wanted to sing. And I thought to myself, it, it made me realize how manhood is being ripped out of Christianity. And that the trend, the trend in the church is that men, being the male gender, because it is Father's Day and I'm going to speak to men today, I'm going to speak to men because when a man gets Christ-centered, not only does a marriage get better, but a family gets better. And when you, when you see a man step up and become Christ-centered, you see a church get better, you see a community get better. There's just something about it that God put inside of the, of the male gender that when the man is all in and all all out for God, that everything gets better, including the generations. That when a man decides he's going to pursue God and give him all of his heart, the generations get better. Let me, let me, tell you, let me explain what I mean. That as I live Christ-centered, one of the things that I'm I'm driven to do is to honor those who are older than me. I'm also driven to sharpen those that are the same age as me. And I should also be driven to empower those that are younger than me. When a man is Christ-centered, the generations should get better. That's what today is really all about. It's not just about empowering the next generation. It's about making everything healthy. I believe God designed us To be those types of people. Now, that goes also for the female gender as well. But today, being Father's Day, I'm going to be speaking to men. But this will be a message that will speak to all of you. You know, because I've never really been to a church. In all of my recollection of going and speaking in many, many different places, I've never once shown up at a church that was full of men that were just passionately praying that their wives would come to have a personal relationship with Christ. Oh, I've, I've sporadically met with men that, that have a wife that, you know, isn't following God. But for the most part, it's been just the opposite. I've been in a lot of different churches that have a lot of women in them that are praying for their husbands to get ignited with a fire, a passion to follow Jesus. I've met with a lot of moms and, and a lot of women that are just begging God. God, get a hold of the heart of my husband. Get a hold of the heart, you know, of my father. Uh, change changes life. And so the title of today's message really came from an old saying, an old saying that says, the man, the myth, and the legend. Today's sermon title is the man, the myth, and the legacy. Let me tell you how we got there. The man, the myth, and the legend is a statement that's typically made when you see someone that you haven't seen in a long time. Like in this auditorium, there's a, there's a person sitting in this auditorium that is a personal friend of mine that I haven't seen for a long time. He used to be on staff here, and I believe I heard him laugh earlier, and that's how I know he's here, but Gary Dopp is in the room. And so, yeah. Yeah, if you don't know, if you don't know him, if you don't know him, don't clap for him. Seriously. Um, if you do know him, then clap. But he would be a guy, because I haven't seen him for a long time, I could say about him, man, I haven't seen the man, it's the myth, it's the legend, it's Gary Dopp, he's in the room. I could easily say that because I haven't seen him for a long time. That's where the statement came from. And so today, what I want to say to you is, what we're what we haven't seen in a long time is manhood, Christ-centered manhood, rising up to be the spiritual leaders that we're supposed to be, which will make the generations better, which will make marriages more healthy, which will make children excel and exceed at everything that God made them to be. So I speak to you men today, and I say to you, the man, the myth, and the legacy, where are you? And Today, that's what we're going to deal with. And so to do it, I'm going to tackle each one of those things, the man. And then we're going to go to the myth and the legacy. The man, the man part is the piece that God created man. God has a purpose for man. And so to kick this sermon off, would you please welcome with me, I'm going to bring a couple of our staff members out here, Pastor Chris and Pastor Nate. These guys are going to help us preach this message today. So let's bring them out. Right on, guys. All right, so I, uh, I teed it up. I set it up. Um, you, you, guys, you guys are uh, great communicators in and of your own right, and uh, we're going we're gonna to practice what we prayed. We're asking for a miracle today. Um, you can be praying with us. Uh, every single one of us could easily preach this message by ourselves and actually go long. <laughs> and so now we're going to try to put three of us together and stay within our time limit. Uh, that's going to be our goal. So let's just get right to it. We, we set it up that the man, the man part of this statement, the man myth and the legacy, is the fact that God created man, and if God created man, he created him in his own likeness, that's what Genesis tells us, and that then man has an incredible purpose, right? Man has something that God wants him to accomplish. And so let's just kick it off, Chris, with you. What would you say is the purpose of God really creating man? Why are we here you know, how do we live that peace out?
1: Yeah, so I think we could go many different directions with this. But if we could come down to the, the most foundational reason, why did God create me? Have you ever asked yourself that question, by the way? Why am I here? Why do you, so why did God create us? And it would be this. God created us for, everybody say for. For. Okay, he created us for his glory. Now that's a... Church type of word, a Bible type of word, and maybe you've heard it so much that you don't know what it means, or maybe you've never heard it. And so I'm going to do my best. I don't know if anybody could really define what is God's glory uh perfectly, but I'm going give, to give you my best. God's glory is his perfection, it's his beauty, it's his completeness, it's his wholeness. It's kind of like when the door opens when you're doing a wedding and the bride comes in. In fact, yesterday you did a wedding, I right? Did. I did. And you were telling Telling me your one of your grandkids what they do?
0: Yeah, my grand my grandson, when he saw it was out at Fort Carney. Uh, when, when she got out of the limousine, she showed up in a limousine. I mean that's come on, that's pretty sweet all by itself. When she got out, my grandson's eyeballs turned into like silver dollars. And he he leans over to Kim and he goes, Mimi, Mimi, look, look at the white woman. <laughs> in her
1: because b- of the dress.
0: <coughs> yeah. So I got I to talk to him a little yeah. bit about, you know, being politically correct. But yeah. way, <laughs> so other it's, that, it's
1: that idea of the beautiful blo- gl- uh, glowing bride, right? So it gives us a little picture. But God's glory is his completeness, his spirit. So we created for his glory. What does that mean? It means to give testimony. It do- we can't add to God's glory, but we can reflect it to give testimony to it. And then uh, look what the Bible says, and this kind of gives you a little bit of a picture When uh, God, he says he's going to gather all of, speaking of Israel, gather them from the north to the south. But this gives us a clue. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So God created us for his glory. And that infers that we should live a life of worship to bring him glory, to glorify him through the acts of, of worship.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, and I believe that. I believe that's why God created man. God created man for himself, to worship him and to give him glory. And the best example that that I can see in Scripture is the life of Jesus and how Jesus lived to bring God glory. And that the life of Jesus is something that we should emulate. We should try to follow. Right? We, we, we should try to set as our as our uh, really the measuring stick that we're trying to live up to. And I, I just want to go through very quickly. There's four fast things that I see that Jesus lived to bring God glory that we are also, as man, created to do. Uh, the first one would be this. We're, we're to fulfill God's will. It's right. not about fulfilling our will. It's about fulfilling his will. So here's what was written about, uh, about Christ. It says, then he said, look, I have come to do your will in Hebrews. You find Jesus following that example Throughout his life, whether it was him saying, you know, I only say what, what I hear the Father saying or I only go where I sense the Father's leading me, he realized that his agenda here um, was to bring glory to God, was right. to fulfill his will. That really should be ours as well. Another thing that I see in the life of Jesus that we're supposed to be uh, doing as well is to endure opposition and even to remain faithful through it. I, I love this scripture about Christ. It's also found in Hebrews. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, that's key, who the the joy set before him, he endured the cross, right? Scorning its shame. But listen, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition. So consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinful men so that that you, you will not grow weary and lose heart. That the example that Jesus set for us was that he endured the opposition, knowing it was going to be the cross, but he went after it anyway, and he, made, he remained faithful to the calling on his life. That's how we're supposed to live. When we live that way as man created by God, we give him glory, and we give him worship. Another one was this, that we were created really to be close in our communication with God. It says this about Jesus in Mark chapter 1. says that before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up, and he went out to an isolated place to pray. That's one of the things that we as as created beings of God, God wants us to be close to him. How are you close with him? You're close to him through communication. God's not just looking at your religious acts that you do. God wants to have communication with you right? I mean, I don't have a marriage with my wife that is growing and healthy because we live under the same roof and we happen to pass each other as we walk around in the house. We have a closeness in our relationship through communication that we share with each other. And so God is challenging us to live that very same way. And when we step up for the man that he created us to be and we strive after that close communication, we're bringing him worship, we're bringing him glory, we're fulfilling our mission here. Lastly, though, is to have extreme love. The extreme part men identify with. Extreme love is not something that the male gender always identifies with. Mm. But here's how Jesus lived it out that we can follow as well. In John 13, 1, it says that before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew, he knew this. He knew that the hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father, which would be to go and die on the cross. He had loved his disciples during during his ministry on earth. And then look at these last lines with me. And now he loved them, what? To the very end. That's extreme love. That's setting my face towards the mission of God in my life and enduring all the way to the end, showing extreme love for God and secondly for others, no matter what the cost is. We were created. We were created to do that. Jesus sets a great example for us that we can apply to our lives even right now. Yeah. Nate, what do you think? Yeah,
2: I think, and it, it's just a great example from what you said, the glory, to bring God glory in all that we do and all that we say and how we live our life, um, and to, uh, we see the example of Jesus. So I, I don't, I think it's a challenge for us men and just as the church. How are we doing that? How are we living that out? Are we, are we looking at God's word and going, man, God, I'm here to bring you glory. That's my purpose in life. When we wake up in the morning, when he gives us that breath each and every day, God, am I giving you praise? Am I bringing you glory? And then... The other part, am I getting in God's word and going, God, yes, I'm going to look at you as my example so that I can live my life to reach this world around me, to be your light. And so I just wanted to recap and just pull us all together. That's what we were designed for and to do.
0: Right, yeah. right on. That's
2: so that's
0: the, that's the man, all right, the man. But then we also have the myth. And the myth is the aspect that, you know, Satan is trying to, uh, he's attempting to really get man off of his game by being created by God, for God, and to get man-centered on the fact that, hey, you exist for you and yourself to make you happy and me-centered, a self-centered life. And that's the myth, because in the world that we live in, Satan has come and he's whispered a lie into the ear of man, into all of us, and he's set this example that he says, your life is to be lived for your own independence, your own freedom, and your own dreams and your own ideas. So guys, let's just talk about that for a minute, Chris. How, what would you say? How do you see this lie, this myth, permeating and living itself out, not just in our culture, but also in our community of South Central Nebraska?
1: Yeah, so, you know, again, we were created for God's glory. That means that we are live a life of worship to bring him glory, to glorify him, to open the door so that the world could see his glory. Um, but we have bought this myth, and it started in the garden, with Adam and Eve, right, we can look back and blame them, but guess what? It's still going on today where we've said, okay, okay, God, I might even believe you created me. I might even believe you created me for your glory, but, um, but I want to be independent of your will for my life and do my own thing. And so this is what happens. This is what the Bible says. It gives a great picture in Romans 1. It says, professing to be wise, they became fools. And exchange the what? The glory, glory. Exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four footed animals and crawling creatures. So it's given this idea of exchanging the glory of God, which is why we were created, what we were created to magnify and open the, the door for the world to see. And we said, you know what? I like the image that I see in the mirror better, right? I like the glory of Chris Puccini better. I want to live for the glory of my life more than I want to live for the glory of God. And that's the myth that Satan wants to tempt us with, our own sinful nature that we inherited, right, from Uncle Adam and Aunt Eve. Uh, we inherited, wants to, 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 uh, to deceive us into believing that myth, yeah. that, that we can find fulfillment in that. So that's the dilemma. We see it playing out like this. You know what? I can do what I want with my life. I can be who I want to be, right? I can marry who I want to marry. I can go to the church that I want to go to, right? Because after all, we're Americans, right? And we believe in our own independent will, right? Yeah. And well, that plays right into our sinful nature, even into areas we think are neutral. But, but God's way is this. Your life is not your own. You were bought with a price. You were made to glorify God. And only in glorifying Him do we find the freedom and the purpose and the happiness that the myth says we won't get unless we live for self.
0: And what's amazing to me is how blinded we become at the, the cost of living the myth. That living the myth, this lie of the enemy, has an extreme price to it. So 2 Timothy speaks to that. Um, it says this in chapter 3, uh, verse 4. It says that you know when they live that myth, that they will betray their friends, they'll be reckless, they'll be puffed up with pride, and they'll love p- pleasure rather than loving God. Yeah. And that permeates even into the church. So when I said, how does it affect our community of South Central Nebraska, I'm also looking at how does that lie of living for self, me-centered living, how does that even affect the culture or the community of new life? And what really stands out to me from that scripture is that they, they decided that they would rather love pleasure, they would rather love self than loving God. And how easily we're blinded to that. How easily we can slip into that, that gutter and live our lives. And we're causing, you know, recklessness around us. We're betraying people. We're, we're hurting them. We're bringing pain to others. All because of the punchline, we decided to live for self rather than living for God. Yeah. And Nate, you have a unique perspective, you know, as our next-gen pastor, working, overseeing all the, the youth departments, but also working with young adults. So how do you see this lie really being lived out in our community um, you know, really from your advantage point.
2: Yeah, so many times we see uh, where parents or dads, they just say, hey, my kid is just going to have to go to the school of hard knocks to figure it out. And, and maybe that stems from a past generation of not being, it passed down to him or his dad wasn't who he thought his dad was supposed to be. And so we see this passiveness where, um, we know, we're not leading the next generation. We're not pouring into them, taking those times um, that we need to. And so we just send kids out and go, hey, I had to figure it out. You're going to have to figure it out. And then what I also see happening is, is when kids have that, been exposed to that, we have a n- younger generation that says, you know what? I don't necessarily have to listen to the older generation. Mm. And so because maybe an older generation didn't speak into them or they didn't give them the great, best advice that they thought or didn't spend time with them, then we've got a younger generation that says, forget it. I'm not going to listen to anybody. I'm just going to do it myself. And that's the way I see the myth being coming out in our culture.
0: Yeah. Right. Detrimental. Yeah. Um, to the mission of God. So we've got these two things. You've got the man created by God with a purpose, and you've got the myth manipulated by Satan to try to deceive man away from God's purpose. Now both of those things leave a legacy, which is what we want to talk about next. So I want you to imagine with me as we we drift into a video for a moment, because you know on Mother's Day we showed a video, and so we just thought on Father's Day we probably ought to show a video. You know, we want to be we want to be even on this whole thing. But as we, as we go into this, this final concept of today's message, the legacy, I want you to think about with me, if you were to live with the way God created man with his purpose, what kind of legacy would you leave? If you live following the myth in any percentage, what kind of a legacy are you leaving as well? And so as we get ready to talk about legacy, take a look at this video. Hey, Dad.
1: What was Grandpa like whenever you were my age? I don't know. He's like a dad. Did Grandpa make you listen to this terrible music? You mean did he culture me?
0: You bet he did.
2: Did Grandpa get lost too?
1: Sometimes. We're not lost. (laughs)
2: Calculating route to your destination. You will arrive in approximately two days, three hours. Of- What's your license insurance? Did uh, Grandpa have a lead foot, too?
1: Amen. Mm-hmm.
0: Grandpa teaches you to pray before every meal like that?
1: Yeah, for every meal.
2: Did Grandpa do that too? Yeah.
1: You whenever I grow up. What's with all the lollygagging?
0: I'm not paying you guys to sit around and look at pictures. Chop Chop! My stuff's not going to get to a condo on the golf course by itself.
1: Has Grandpa always been so... bossy? Always. Is he actually paying us?
0: Not a chance. You really are a lot like him, aren't you?
2: There
0: you go. That's good, right? Come on. (laughs) Your legacy. How long is your shadow, right? So when we talk about legacy, we're going to be talking a little bit about when you live your life to be Christ-centered, your life is going to leave a legacy. And that legacy should make the generations better. Mm. It should make everything better. And that, that's kind of really where we want to go. So how do we live to create a Christ-centered legacy, though, guys? How do we live to do that that empowers the generation's And um, maybe even especially it empowers and uh, makes the next generation better.
2: Well, I think growth, uh, it isn't accidental. It has to be intentional. Uh, you definitely have to, you have to schedule it. You have to look for it. Um, there's going to be moments where, in the video, I'm sure the, the dad didn't teach his son how to swirl the cup, but they did it. You know, things are caught, not always taught, but I think we do have to be intentional in teaching. And so, one of the scriptures that I have is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. And it says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you must commit yourself whole, wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. And tie them on your hands, wear them on your forehead as a reminder write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. you have to be intentional you have to you have to take every moment with your children or with it and you know I'm one of the only guys up here that doesn't actually have a physical child, but I feel like I get to I have a lot of spiritual children and I have to take every moment I, there's moments where I want to let down my guard or I may be frustrated with a student or a young person but it's like man take every moment and just instruct and teach and encourage in the love of the Lord um, and so you have to to be you have to definitely go after it, growth just doesn't happen, you have to be intentional about it.
0: I love it, I love it. And when we were kind of preparing, you know, this message, you, you also brought to us a, a Chinese proverb, if you will. Do you, do you have that actually? I, I do, it says right well, okay, because I thought it was awesome.
2: Okay, um, yeah, the Chinese proverb right here if you, want, uh, if you want one year of prosperity, grow grain, if you want 10 years of prosperity, grow trees, if you want 100 years of prosperity grow people. It's all about people. And at the end of the day, what's the only thing that we can take to heaven with, with us? It's people. Right. It's people. So you invest into people.
0: That's, yeah, that's good. Chris, yeah. how, how would you add to that? Yeah, well,
1: I, you know, I think every man probably, especially if you have children, you, you want to leave a legacy, right? I think it's just part of us. But what, where we are really zoning in today is that God has called us to leave a spiritual legacy, right? We have to be intentional about that, to invite the next generation into the journey, but also to go to their journey, right? To go to their world. Um, And if we don't, there's a lot at stake. In the history of Israel, they were on again, off again type of people. And you see this issue where if it's not intentionally demonstrated in the journey with the next generation where they're invited in... You can lose that next generation. You see it with King David, where his son Solomon only saw a form of worship. He didn't get it, right? But then in Judges, where the Israelites, Joshua's their leader, um, again, they're on again, off again with obeying God and then following these false gods. And then God sends an angel in Judges chapter 2 and says, Hey, guys, wake up, stop doing this. They get back on track, but then something just jumps off the page. I encourage you to study the first two chapters and but, but look at this. It says this in verse 10 of Judges 2. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Hmm. So not only did they not know God, no relationship with God, but they had not even heard, right? They didn't have as a part of their history and experience hearing the stories of what God had done, right? So this issue, if we do not intentionally pass on, the baton of faith. And I get it. I understand uh, that we cannot cause somebody to have faith. So it's not something that you just hand off. But we set the table, we set the environment
0: for that. If we do not do that, I believe that we will be accountable to the Lord for that. So we've, we've got to be intentional in, in how we live our lives. We also need to be very purposeful uh, about making sure that we are setting the example of Christ and we're also training and teaching. So it's not just good enough, what you're saying is not just good enough to say, you know, hey, hey family, we are a Christian family. And then to go live your life however you want to. Uh, that's not intentional, it's not purposeful either. So we, we've got to, as men, we've got to step up and we've got to start setting the tone of what it means to live a life Christ-centered and we have to be willing to strive for that, knowing we're going to fail, we're going to fall flat on our face, but that's part of learning. You get up, you repent to your family, and you keep running. That's a great example for our kids to see. But, uh, but the last piece I'm going to add to this about leaving a legacy is that you're going to have to be a person that doesn't have any jealousy, and you, you get rid of that, that spirit of competition amongst the generations. where uh, you know it's not about the older generation holding on to leadership you know, uh, reigns, and then the, the younger generation always kind of competing against it, trying to show that they're as good or better, you know, because there's a reason why the older generation in certain areas has their hands on the reins. God needs them there, and we need them to be there as well. But there's also that, that jealousy sometimes of when, you know, Nate gets up, and he preaches, and he does really well, and, you know, I hear out in the lobby or I see, you know, on social media or whatever, that was the best sermon I've ever heard. And, you know, I mean, I could sit there and go, well, what about me? What about...
1: <laughs> that was the best sermon I've
0: like that? You like that voice? Um, but no, I mean, I love it, Nate. I love it when you get up and you preach, man, and, or you minister, or something comes back, feedback comes back. You've got a whole group of people that love you, and they follow you, and you, in many regards, are their pastor as the campus pastor of our, of our venue down there, and you'll be down there to wrap up the service, so everybody that's down there, don't leave. He's coming, <laughs> right? And I love the fact we have campus pastors that have other people that are looking to them and going, you are my shepherd. And I love that about you and about Dave. And you guys are younger than me. And I hope that you guys are better pastors than I've ever been in my entire life. But that's the kind of heart we have to have. That jealousy thing, you see it standing out in Scripture between a king, his name was Saul, and then David. Now, if, you're, if this is your first Sunday at church, you, you've probably still heard about this story about a man who kills a giant. David who kills Goliath. David is this man. And this passage of Scripture I'm going to read happens right after David kills the giant, right? And they're coming back uh, to kind of celebrate. And look at the scripture that happens there about how this whole legacy thing gets screwed up. It says that when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the giant, Goliath, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet who? They came out to meet who? King Saul. King Saul, right. They sang and they danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. So look what he says. What's this? They, they created David with ten thousands, uh, you know, and me with only thousands? Next, they're going to be making David the king. So from that time on, Saul kept a what? Jealous eye. Jealous. A jealous eye on David. That's not, that's not the way that you create legacy. Saul should have been just the opposite. Man, God, thank you for giving me a young man like David. What a hopeful future our, your kingdom has, God. Thank you for allowing me to be a leader that gets to shape him and mold him and be a part of his life. God, what a blessing that is. That was modeled for me by a man who, I know that some of you are sitting in North Platte and down in the venue, but sitting again in our main auditorium is a man who modeled that for me. His name's Bob Wine. He, he modeled for me what it was like to have someone like myself who was working for him and not to be jealous and not to be a man of competition, but to say to God, thank you for a guy like Jeff. I'm going to groom him and train him so he can be the best that he can be. And then look what unique gift God gave to Bob. He allowed him to pass the baton onto me. Now, I think that the song that was sung in First Samuel should be just the opposite in this situation. If I had to rewrite the song, I would say that Bob has achieved his tens of thousands of amazing leadership moves. And Jeff only his thousand. But I guarantee you, if Bob was sitting up here in this chair, he would probably sing it just the opposite. But that, guys, that's what it means to live in a way where the generations get better. Because each generation wants to honor the other. They, They want to defer to the other. They don't want to try to just get all the fame and glory for themselves. They're, they're looking at it from a kingdom perspective, which is if I live Christ-centered, the generations get better, the church gets better, the community gets better, the family gets better. Yeah. And when people, when men live Christ-centered, that's what happens. So my challenge to you today, men, is this. It's time to start living as the man of God and stop living by the myth of man yeah how would you guys was there anything you guys would like to add just to kind of wrap this thing up nothing you're gonna sit there
1: that was so good though that was awesome well you know i was just <laughs> wow i just teed the ball oh, up You guys get like Wa-ding. so so it was reminding me i grew up with a lot of brothers and my next youngest brother we would play catch i'd try to throw the ball as as hard as i could right to get it to sting and he couldn't catch it or i'd want to throw the football to where he had to dive out and stretch out, right, and land flat on his stomach in order to catch it. That's just what big brothers do. And, and you know, it's, it's mean and it's fun at the same time. But spiritually speaking, we need to be intentional to throw a catchable pass to the next generation. We need to be people who honors the next generation, loves them enough, right, to have patience with their youth recognizing I was once there before, right? And throw, what does that mean? That means sometimes we need to set aside some of our preferences that we have boxed in faith. our faith experience with to go to their world and to invite them into our world. So throw in a catchable pass of faith.
2: And just to tag off that, you know, there was, as I was growing up as a young man, uh, my dad worked a lot, and uh, he wasn't always around because of work. And there was, a, there was a neighbor guy who loved fishing and hunting, and so he would take me, and that's what got me hooked. And so now, every year, for a youth duck hunt, I take students from here at the church, and I take them out who maybe a dad can't, or maybe they don't have a dad in their life, and I just say, hey, okay, let's go duck hunting. And we put a weapon in their hand, and they shoot ducks, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, come to yeah. our youth ministry, it's safe. Yeah. It's always fun. <laughs> Uh, but it's a, it's a good time, and so that's just something, and so I would encourage you. Um, I, I've noticed in you know, the psychology of it, women like to do things face-to-face, but men like to do things shoulder-to-shoulder. So if you're a guy, take a young, someone of a younger generation and, and take them to do something with you and pass along your wisdom, uh, your heritage, what your faith journey, what God's done in your life. Do it because they want to know it. They want to hear about it. They may act like they don't care, but they really do care. They want to be valued, so I would, encourage, I would challenge you and encourage you to do that.
0: Right on. So today, I think the question's pretty simple, right? What is, what's the legacy that you're leaving? Is it one that's Christ-centered, or is it one that's you-centered? And my, my challenge to the male gender that's here today is this. Men, it's time to step up, and it's time to be godly men. If there's ever been a time that I've been alive, in the history that I have known, the time is now for men of all ages, grandfathers, down to grandsons, it's time to stand up, rise up, and be the man of God. Sell out completely to God. All, all the way. Sell out completely to God. Give Him your heart. Follow Him, because the generations need to be healthy. We need to honor those that are older than us. Yeah. Yeah. We need to honor those that are older than us. We need to sharpen those that are our peers. And we definitely need to empower those who are younger than us. It's time, men. It's time. And today, you have an opportunity to respond to that. These altars that are here, down in the venue, out in North Platte, these are for hungry men that are going, I want to be a man that steps up and starts living the life that God's called me to live because I want to be a part of making the generations better. I want to be a part of shining the light of Jesus that makes the kingdom of God better. I want to be a part of making my community better. So why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have given us the redeeming power through Christ that can take us from where we are, living the myth, and bring us all the way back to living as the man that you created so that our legacy might be Christ-centered that makes the generations healthy, that makes our marriage healthy, It makes our children healthy again. It makes the community of our church thriving and alive so that the community can become healthy. Lord, you have not given up. You have not given up on this generation. We still have breath. We still breathe. And while we have that breath, may we be men that step up. Step up at a moment like this. Instead of stepping back into the shadows. Let's step up and let our shadow cast long across the generations. May we first love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But Lord, help us to love others. Help us in our failures to love others. Help us in our perceived inadequacies to love others. Help us as we look at ourselves and we don't see the hope in us. Give us hope so that we can love others. And we can truly see in the day in which we live the generations becoming healthy and whole and Christ-centered again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.